0: All right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Full Metal Tuxedo. We are just so absolutely rich with these emails that we just have to bring more of them to you. They're so fun. Uh, My name is Gregory, and, of course, my co-host, Patrice. Hello. And uh, so if you're listening to this, chances are it's Wednesday, Just remember that we're going to be streaming another live episode on the Armored Gregory YouTube channel on Saturday night, 12 a.m., which I guess is legally Sunday morning. But I won't tell anybody if you don't. And haven't
1: been called out for that technicality yet.
0: Yeah, well, on
1: any of our social media.
0: I just I've noticed maybe a little confusion,
1: mainly from us.
0: (laughs) Well, it's because of us, so. To be fair, it is our fault. So
1: what have we been up to this week, Greg?
0: Oh, geez. Well, we've been working on the follow-up to the Deep Underground Military Bases video. I've been just listening to Phil Schneider's testimony, testimonial of his account with the tall whites underground over and over and over again. And yeah, that was quite the rabbit hole, though, following all the people that uh, knew, knew him and You know, even the people that liked him and would promote the things that he said, like the kinds of stuff that they would say about him as a person, was a little bit surprising. So.
1: I know that the episode's coming out tomorrow, but I think the weirdest part about the whole thing is that, you know, he isn't even the most interesting person in the story.
0: No, that's the craziest part. And the way it was introduced to me. The whole deep underground military base thing was through phil schneider talking about encountering these aliens and then yeah the more we peeled that onion the more we realized that that's not even the best part of the story it's not not once you
1: actually see it for what it is yeah it's a um i don't know it's probably one of the ones that i don't want to be true The most.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I agree because of how absolutely terrifying the prospect is of maybe digging a little too deep and accidentally running across some aliens in some tunnels or the idea that, you know, that they're running experiments from underground, things like that. That is absolutely terrifying to me.
1: Do you know what's crazy? Like when you just said that, that reminded me of the Skinwalker Ranch. Remember how that... there was that weird thing within a lot to dig,
0: right? And any time that they disturb the soil too deeply, even if they were using dynamite, that's when they would get the most activity.
1: Yeah, but there was a whole thing about not being able to dig, right? But I want, or I think there was maybe like they had to do something if they wanted to dig; they had to get permission. Oh really? I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure. I just remember. I just remember that strange detail just then, just as we were talking about digging
0: but deep underground military bases are connected to a lot of the things that were seen at skinwalker ranch uh poor example uh the cattle mutilations so cattle mutilations have become a little bit more of a universal alien thing in general Uh, but i found it kind of interesting that we listened to some testimonials of people who are pretty damn sure that cattle mutilations are connected to deep underground military bases which i guess makes sense And because they're already so secretive to begin with. Uh, But that was, again, another thing that was happening at Skinwalker Ranch. Is uh, they had multiple cattle. One particular calf in general that was, like, just didn't make any sense what was left behind. But, uh, yeah, that's I guess that is one of those things that sort of, again, connects aliens, ghosts, and uh, Bigfoot together. Well, I mean, it is Skinwalker Ranch. It does all those things.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I hope everybody likes the episode because there is a real chance that we're on a watch list now.
0: Oh, God. Well, I I feel like the more we get into this subject, uh, into these subjects in general, the more of a target we paint on our backs. But this time this deep underground military base thing this is the first time that we've talked about a subject where a lot of people mysteriously died around it and that yeah makes and where me we were very like nervous. actually
1: maybe we should find a new different subject for this <laughs> week
0: it's like Patrice and I like to make videos about things that we can't find videos or at least good videos on online like we're we're trying to make the catalog of, of content that we've always been thirsty to watch and uh when it came to deep underground military bases it's like i wonder why we can't find anything on it why is it that we can't find hang on everyone's dead
1: or being horrifically maimed or they're in prison (laughs) or they've got a like brain injury (laughs) it's
0: just like the internet has been just completely wiped clean of anything pertaining to deep underground military bases and all the most popular famous presenters of the subject have disappeared or died
1: not the presenters,
0: I mean like you know they're still around. Oh, well the like sorry the, Apple, the all of that. No, not the presenters uh, I mean the presenters of the theory, like the 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 proponents of them, not the literal yeah. radio hosts that they presented Except them to. Except for Emery Smith. Emery wow.
1: Smith's still kicking around. Emery
0: Smith got a really good deal hosting at at Gaia TV, so you know, he comes in saying, "Hey, I used to work at one of these deep underground military bases." And he does a few episodes with David Wilcock. Next thing you know, Emery Smith has got his own show where he's interviewing. (laughs) He's David Wilcock's now. Yeah. That's a bit suspicious, if you ask. The hosted
1: becomes the host. I just.
0: Everything about Emery Smith just is a giant red flag to me.
1: Well, I think knowing what we know now, none of it's new.
0: No. Well, that's the one thing I've always found really interesting about the UFO community is that they're really good at keeping this sense of continuity with the storyline if every time there's a new detail added it can always connect perfectly to the well, current it's real life lore. sci-fi
1: it's just keeping canon
0: yeah isn't it well i mean yeah that's what we said earlier today is it's just like how much star trek and star wars nerds just hate when things don't fit the continuity it's like there's a reason why there's a you know a a continuity to the lore of the ufo community's stories but that being said the fact that these new stories keep popping up you're just assuming that
1: we're all like super geeks
0: (laughs) yeah i i feel like that's a safe assumption to make (laughs) so like i said we are just absolutely rich with these emails if you guys forget how this works we ask that you send us in emails with your stories preferably first-hand account stories of, you know, events that you've experienced in your life, the kinds of things that people would call in and tell Art Bell during Coast to Coast AM. And, uh, of course, we want to hear your voice. If you want to voice record it, just make sure that you write a quick synopsis of the story so that we have that as a reference before we listen to it. But uh, so far, we've been getting mostly typed emails, which is fine. We don't mind reading them. Um... You know, Patrice and I both have amazing voices, so that's...
1: I was all. just going to say, I'm like, we love the sound of our own voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's we are, why we decided to make
0: a We broadcast. are in love with the sounds of our own voices. Um, but, at that being said... That's,
1: that's part of, you know, that works well with our, you know, our functioning depression and narcissism together.
0: Oh, perfectly, yes. It it's mar- perfect. It, it marries them perfectly. Um yeah so if you want to send us an email give us your story um that's the full metal tuxedo full metal tuxedo at gmail.com full metal tuxedo at gmail.com and uh so yeah we've got a couple examples for you tonight i've got at least two here to read you i know patrice has got a couple as well and uh because we've been on a bit of a youtube or a ufo kick lately well we got some ufo stories for you So we got a handful of pretty fun emails here the first one that i pulled up here is definitely going to uh be interesting one of the more interesting ones that we've uh read so far it's actually one of the first two uh patrice sent this to me i think that a couple of the emails that we're going through here now are one of the you know are a couple of the first that we you know received from you guys and we're so grateful that so many of you have already started writing into us giving us your You know, we realize that they're intimate stories you're telling us to divulge personal information about. Interesting, wacky, uh, hard to explain events that have happened to you that I'm sure that you've told to people and they say that they don't believe you. And I'm sure that that's hard. And that's not what our show's about. We just want to understand your experience and uh, understand your perspective of it. We're not here to judge it. We just want to have some fun thinking about it, trying to figure out what it might have been. Um. So the first story that we got here. Uh, so this is from Jordan. He says, about four years ago, I saw something that was not a UFO in the sense of being from aliens, but most certainly was a government project. At the time, normally work started for me around 730 a.m. Eastern Time, Florida. However, there was a bulletin out there for people to volunteer to come in early and stand outside to work more or less as guards until seven-ish for a little extra pay. And I needed a little extra money. Uh, I would get in around six or 6.15 a.m. every day while it was still dark outside. I would meet up with another coworker and we would stand in the area next to our facility parking lot every day for several months. I didn't really do anything. I got <clears throat> I didn't really do anything and got paid for it. That sounds like a good deal, Jordan. Uh, my co-workers and I would start would talk, but conversations starting to get dry. So she suggested we download a star map app on our phones and try to identify stars and planets and stuff. At one point I noticed an aircraft that would come by around 6:30 a.m. every morning. However, after a couple of weeks, I noticed that it was flying in a slightly different direction. I downloaded a couple of other apps until I found one that was precise and had coordinates in relation to the Earth and everything. I noticed that the aircraft was slightly changing by the same degree every day. That's interesting. So, so he's saying that this aircraft was flying over his head every single day and he noticed that it would slightly change direction Mildly, by the same degree, every single day.
1: That's really bizarre.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wonder why uh, your location was the pivot point. The aircraft looked basically like a commercial plane, but thinner with a lot longer wings and a large circular disc on the top. That sounds like one of those military uh, radio communication planes. You know, that they have yeah. a big disc that flies on top, and it basically looks like a commercial plane.
1: Yeah, the ones that yeah, the ones that have... It's like uh radar, radar plane. Yeah, that? that's a
0: giant yeah, radar dish, in. I think, that's on the roof.
1: I think they're 737s, aren't they? 737s.
0: Yeah, so they are essentially like a commercial plane that's and been outfitted on... with military technology.
1: That's what it looks like.
0: What is it called?
1: Early... It's the airborne, a, a Boeing E3 Sentry.
0: Interesting.
1: Except for, for, yeah, it literally has a disc on top.
0: So, I mean, it's basically like a giant communication switchboard in the sky. If, uh, yeah. you know, if something were to go wrong on the ground and they needed... But this
1: looks like a disc. What did the email say? Did it say it looked like a bubble?
0: Mm, look like a commercial plane, but with thinner, longer wings and a large circular disc... On the top.
1: Oh, yeah. This looks absolutely like this thing.
0: Okay. It would fly low enough that we could hear it pass by, but it was not very loud and moved somewhat slow compared to how fast a normal commercial plane would move. Wow. So it was even going slower than a commercial plane. That is bizarre. Because they already are the slowest things in the sky, basically. One day, uh, sorry, one day after about three months of watching the craft, it did not show up. One day, I was confused. However, the next day is when I got a little shook. I watched the sky waiting for the craft to show up. It came to six thirty, and I didn't think that it would come until I noticed it coming over the horizon. But it moved so quickly, but it cleared the horizon on the other side uh, to me. To the horizon on the other side of me. I'm oh, sorry, that's not me repeating. This <laughs> it's okay. So I've I've done that before when I'm writing too. One 180 degrees in an under five seconds without any trails. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So apparently it flew from horizon.
1: Well, uh, maybe this because these aircraft are apparently like a first. Uh, what do they they call like Early warning radar. Right. So maybe whatever he saw that did the horizon to horizon in five seconds is what that aircraft was looking for.
0: Ooh, that's an interesting prospect. Perhaps.
1: Because if it w- yeah. Because it must have... If it was moving by a degree every day for three months,
0: It sounds like, like it
1: was mapping something.
0: It was meticulously... Yeah, it was meticulously listening for something. And if it was going that slow, like those things can move faster than a commercial flight. So if they're intentionally going slower than a commercial flight, it means that they're taking their time and being meticulous. Mm. So perhaps and they were looking for whatever it was that Fluivers had that day.
1: And if I, he said Florida time, so I imagine he's in Florida.
0: I'm assuming, yes.
1: And... There's, like, numerous accounts of USOs, heaps of weird stuff going on. Bermuda That's tr- Triangle.
0: That's true. It is the tip of the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle.
1: You know, there is lots of bizarre stuff going, going down.
0: Um, okay. The wings seem to be at a different angle than usual, and the disc on the top was not there. So he says it se- it looks like it's the same plane, but it's shaped differently, and there's no disc. Okay. I heard. Cause I've,
1: heard, I've heard of aircraft, like UFO stories, things pretending to look well, like aircraft. I was
0: just going to say that because there are actually, there's a group of ufologists who specifically look for planes that they think are fake planes that are really UFOs.
1: Oh, no. Did you do a debunk video on one of those ones?
0: Uh, a while back, quite a while <laughs> back, yeah. <laughs> But that's true, though. I mean, it sounds like if this was something different, that it made itself look like the plane that was looking for it, kind of half acidly, and then booked it across the sky so that it could get away from it.
1: Like yeeted out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I heard no sound when it passed. So, again, silent. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Most planes take a few minutes to clear horizon to horizon, I believe. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. Even a, even a like a like a military jet, a a fighter jet would take like at least it, it wouldn't be five seconds. Five seconds is it's, way too fast.
1: It's so intriguing, though, all these aircraft, helicopters that people claim don't make any noise.
0: Yeah, like well, that's especially when it's going hypersonic like that.
1: Yeah, and but that's something which even in those phil schneider lectures he was talking about aircraft that don't make any noise yeah
0: absolutely and that well, was back in
1: 1995 yeah th-
0: that whole group of people were talking about these black helicopters and black jets that they that they say are the Been special the type 70s. of stealth technology that is way more advanced than the stealth technology that we know about today
1: it must be like it makes you think like what could what could be like no, no no make no noise and you have to think it's either a nuclear energy or some kind of magnetic energy
0: yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking that it uh, affects the natural electromagnetic field of the earth or something and it kind of rides it that's all i can really think of it would have to be something that's so different from a conventional engine cuz conventional engines make a lot of noise
1: yeah well even with the Even like with helicopters, you think that the the blades cutting through the air make the noise, interrupt sound waves. So how is that silent?
0: There is technology. There are uh, special blade designs for helicopters to make them more quiet. But as to make them silent, silent, uh, I have no idea. It would have to be some sort of an internal gyro engine or something that funneled the air through the middle of the craft. Mm.
1: Or maybe it could be something like how noise-canceling headsets work, like they just send another frequency that counteracts oh, the noise that they make.
0: That's an interesting idea. Maybe.
1: You know, because like noise-canceling headsets, like maybe they, they have just, their own noise. Of like a certain kind of. They
0: have like an active muting frequency yeah. that they that they yeah that would actually work.
1: Because you know they talk about all this stealth technology about being able to bend kind of the way light um interacts with the object right well these black helicopters are
0: also supposedly they can also cloak that's what they say
1: yeah so it wouldn't be too far off the realms of possibility that they're able to manipulate sound waves around them then in fact you feel like that would probably be
0: it would be easier easier now that yeah yeah you're right yeah i like that theory
1: Because you could just make create a bubble around you that would like stop whatever sound waves uh, coming from the craft in some way. Like you almost create some kind of shield, like a sound shield.
0: It's like yeah, like a dampening wave, basically, like yeah, yeah, that just cancels it out by like uh, sending out a a similar a similar frequency. I like I like that
1: thinking because that's. I think I read an article. I can't even. You're, you're you're the same as me. We were, we read so much that you can't even remember what you
0: read. No, I know.
1: But I remember reading something about, um, like, like aircraft having um, boxes underneath them, which basically create a, like a radar hologram. So there might be like one aircraft, but it makes it look like there's two.
0: Yeah. And I've heard. I've heard it of this technology. with
1: radar and stuff like that. So then, if there are like missiles, they'll lock onto the wrong one because it creates a ghost. It's like yeah. it creates a an a sonic ghost of the aircraft.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting technology. Like, uh, yeah, instant cloning technology. It's like... Yeah,
1: because uh, that's what when we did the ghost stuff. That's when I was looking that up.
0: Oh really? For,
1: possi- for possibilities like of science creating ghosts
0: yeah i've I've heard of this hologram technology or like radar uh, confusing technology before and I've mm-hmm. al- always heard it in reference to it being used with jets to either mm-hmm. make it look like you've got buddies coming with you so that you know either you're I don't know intimidating whoever or it you're can rolling out the
1: shape of the aircraft right
0: it can make your aircraft look like it's a passenger plane so yeah, that they don't know that it's a fighter jet
1: yeah but they'll figure that out pretty quick when you don't when, oh are you alright? oh yeah sorry you <laughs> need a little drink of water? no I'm okay
0: <laughs> 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 yeah yeah they'll figure that out pretty quick when you roll up on their town with a couple sidewinder missiles
1: yeah and you're just like they're like pick up the phone you're squawking on the wrong frequency pick up the phone <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, but this was the fastest thing that I had ever seen, and it made no sound. This freaked me out. It seemed impossible. There's an Air Force base within 30 mile drive of my place of work, so I think it might be some kind of experimental craft, but it's weird that it would be tested out in the open. My co-worker also witnessed it with me, but nobody seems to believe me that a craft could move that fast. Yeah, well, oh, and that's exactly what I was saying at the beginning of the story. Is that a lot of these stories that we're getting in, in our email here, Patrice, are people that uh, are telling stories that nobody believes. So we're sensitive to that. You know, we're we're open to whatever your story might be. We're not here to judge it. Um, mm. Though we are going to question it. You know, we 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 believe you that you saw what you saw. We don't think you're crazy for that.
1: Mm. well yeah the way that the way that i see it is that there's so many experiences out there that i'm never gonna that I that i'm not in the position to experience you know like i've never had a job where i've had to stand outside and be a guard for a few hours and be able to just watch the sky like when was the last time you had a time to just go out and watch the sky for no reason
0: god i don't even remember you know so, so like, long ago
1: of course, we're not seeing stuff because we're not looking at the sky. And we're not dedicating hours looking at the sky.
0: And if it made no sound, you wouldn't have noticed it unless you were looking. So it was yeah. just because the uh, this gentleman here had a habit of mm-hmm. looking at the sky every night, every time he was doing his guard duty, that, you know, and that that even ended up happening to him in the first place.
1: And I'm a big believer in that. Like, if you start looking for things you'll start seeing things you, know, I agree. you can't be an can't be an armchair skeptic or an armchair believer and just you know want to rely on other people's experiences and decide yay or nay based on that like go out there yourself well, and look th- for something
0: absolutely and that goes for all these subjects that we talk about bigfoot mothman ufos ghosts whatever Like, it's one thing to sit at home and say, that's dumb. You're dumb for doing that. But until you've actually gone out there and done the research yourself, gone to these places, tried to experience it yourself, um, you know, get like elbow deep with the information, then, you know, you can't really say that you know enough about it to dismiss it. And, Mm. you know, and nothing beats a firsthand account. You know, that's something that we all wish we had. Like, and do you know, that the whole alien debate it, would go away overnight if I just saw an alien. That would I just Well, be...
1: no, I don't think you've got that kind of authority.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, for me, it would.
1: I don't think if you came on and said, disclosures here, guys, forget Tom
0: DeLonge. <laughs> I'm the one that's going to
1: tell you that aliens are real.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> well, yeah, that would be so frustrating if you saw an alien and you just couldn't tell anybody, but you could tell people, but nobody believed you. Like that would just be infuriating.
1: One thing that I'm really happy about is that a comment on your last video was about how you appear like you're a true skeptic channel now. Not just a channel that shoots down everything regardless of what it is. That's nice. And I think that that's such a great um, evolution for you that you've gone from just being opinionated to being informed. Because there's such a difference between, you know, like an opinionated skeptic and an informed skeptic.
0: Oh, that's such a nice way to put it. You know, I think that I think that I absolutely have embraced what, you know, one might call true skepticism, because that was one of those things that people used to rag on me a lot in the comments. If I had an opinion or I said something they didn't like, they said, oh, I'm not being a true skeptic. But, you know, in a lot of ways they were being, you know, they were right because I wasn't properly exploring. I wasn't the ideas. I wasn't properly, I wasn't giving them their, you know, time in the sun. I wasn't strong manning them as much as I could have. Um, And I feel like now I'm literally letting myself get into the mindset where I believe these things while I'm, you know, in the creation process of these videos. And, you know being in that mindset of just letting yourself believe you know bigfoot exists aliens exist whatever it gives you well it's a very fun week let me tell you that <laughs> but it gives you a much greater appreciation for the experiences that people are saying that they had um because not if you, just
1: that like we we flirt with the research of these things there mm. are people out there who are legitimate researchers serious people who've had experiences, heard enough testimony from just average people to dedicate their whole lives into, like, looking into this.
0: Yeah, that's so true. You know,
1: and people have lived and died without getting the answers that they want.
0: That's so true.
1: what they seek, you know? So I just feel like it's unfair to just sit down and watch a couple of hours of YouTube videos and then decide that that's... It's yay or nay, you know? Like, you have to have an open mind about it. Like, all the things that like of this material that i've come to a consensus about i don't um lock anything in for sure because always open to new information that comes across your desk to make you change your mind like either way
0: that's the one thing i think patrice and i have in common even though she's the believer and i'm the skeptic that neither of us have locked our our opinions into any one position um that I think are both I'm open like, to being wrong
1: i think that my bias um into wanting to believe people at their word mm-hmm. is is a, is a strength in looking for and researching what we do and what we look up and because it means that i'm i know where to find and how to look for information
0: well, that gave me um, that's that's how you gave me a whole new appreciation for this whole line of you know skepticism is going into these personal accounts. It's because once once you boil it down to people's eyewitness accounts, you get into this thing where your only alternative to to you know they're telling the truth is they're lying, and you just don't run into that many liars. There are a lot of liars and I'm sure the UFO community is absolutely riddled with them. But there are also just so many accounts that just don't sound like lies to me. Yeah, and
1: like, I've had a UFO experience. And I don't believe that that was a drone, I don't believe it was an aircraft, you know. And that was, i saw that with my own eyes i experienced that right you know so it was kind of like it's hard for someone to say you're lying like why would i lie about that
0: yeah and when you told me that story i believed you because the thing is too is i had heard similar stories and as you know as far as i know you mm-hmm. weren't just copying those stories because it's a weird kind of story to copy yeah,
1: but and um, it was something which was yeah it's a bizarre story i'll leave you on that cliffhanger
0: yeah (laughs) we'll we'll tell you about that story one day i'm sure but uh the point is that that's the other detail uh that makes it hard to call these people liars is that so many times you run across these eyewitness accounts that are nearly identical to each other from coming from people who don't know about each other who you know Mm. for all we know have not you know come from the same ufo message board at the same time
1: well and that's the thing too like i know a bit about ufos like i've been interested in the strange and paranormal since i could read essentially like I was checking out those <laughs> books in the school library so yeah that could have influenced the fact that i see a light in the sky and i think it's a ufo but that's because that's what my knowledge has led me to believe imagine how many people out there that don't don't have that knowledge and they just forget about it because it's it, it's not something that they would even think of
0: that's actually a really good point that if you'd never been introduced to the idea of aliens and you just saw a light in the sky you didn't understand you might have just dismissed it because you didn't know what else it could have been
1: yeah and so there's probably we only know the stories from people who want to be involved in the UFO community
0: Right, right, right. And that's the thing Joe Rogan said. So Joe Rogan did a skeptic series that, you know, I think in spirit was supposed to be sort of like what we're doing, but it didn't turn out that way. He was much more harsh, but he was dealing mostly with people. I think, I think people
1: Joe like, Rogan's too famous to be doing something sincere like that. Right, you know? like I agree. You can't,
0: There's a lot of different problems with that show. But one of the yeah. problems that we discussed before was that because it is like a produced show with the budget and everything the kinds of people that they invite to be guests on shows like that are already kind of just wacky characters that are pretty established in the community and the thing is that rogan recognized that a lot of the people he was interacting with were just lying to him and And that's the
1: thing i feel like with media now especially with um with television or is your guests that you want on or people that you want to put on your television show, they either have—if they're not compelling enough and serious enough to be convincing, then they just have to be off the wall wacky, because you want people to like hate them then, or or rag on them. Like that's that's the two options.
0: Right, and I mean, yeah, I guess the the point I'm getting at though is that um, because he was getting these high-profile characters and not eyewitnesses per se, not people that had these credible stories, which I'm sure if his producers had done, you know, a little bit more research, they'd be able to find a handful of people that were more credible, had just had like a, a, a firsthand account story describing something that they experienced themselves. That would have been better. But he was dealing mostly with people that had a lot of investment in the topic. People that were even the ones that were eyewitnesses, were just very had a obviously had a stake in the game obviously wanted the answer to be bigfoot is real aliens are real
1: well i think too that the whole i i don't think i'd want to go on a television show with joe rogan to to watch him make fun of me or tell me i'm lying
0: no well that's the other deterrent is that how do you get those genuine people on a show where it's like Hey, or
1: even to get trolled. Like, do you want to come on and I've got this, I've got like an audience of how many people does he have? Like 6 million on YouTube or something ridiculous. And it's like, don't you want to get trolled by the internet?
0: Yeah. And you absolutely would. Um, Because it's nothing like his radio show where he has these intellectuals come on and, uh, you know, Randy Carl and, um, you know, people like that.
1: Mandy Carlson.
0: Carl. that's right. I knew. It, I knew I said it wrong. I knew what it said it wrong. And I'm like, wait, Patrice is going to correct me. Let's give it a second. I,
1: I, I love that you're like these intellectuals
0: yeah that's why he does that's why we'll never sacred, make it on the Rogan sacred show trio- yeah sacred geometry <laughs> and
1: the uh, younger Dryas. So of it I don't yeah. know if that's accepted academia yeah. the, of their like alternative history
0: no but you could argue that he's an intellectual more so than I am at least
1: Okay, so this next story is from Elena. Hi, Elena, in Mexico.
0: Hello, Elena.
1: And she has been a big fan of your content for quite some time. And she's just about to finish high school and she's going to study film. So that's really cool.
0: Oh, excellent. That was what I and, wanted um, to study at of high school too. So excellent choice.
1: So she would like to tell us a story about her grandma. And particularly what she told her about aliens when she was little.
0: (laughs) Oh, my grandmother never told me anything about aliens.
1: Yeah, I don't think my grandmother told me anything about aliens either.
0: (laughs) So I'm trying to imagine what a grandmother would tell a granddaughter about Mm. little green men.
1: All right, so... My grandmother was one of the first prominent female politicians in Mexico. She was a very accomplished and intelligent woman, and while she may be old and mentally ill right now, many people still remember her for what she was in her prime. So she was... That's pretty interesting, isn't she? Like a female politician, too. Oh, really? Before my grandmother lost her sanity, she would tell me stories that at the time didn't make any sense to me, but I've grown to understand parallel to me growing up. One day she told me that she saw a circular spaceship descend near her own yard. According to her, it was late at night and she was having a lively conversation with my grandfather and some family friends that she'd invited over when they noticed a fast-moving UFO approach the house before clashing with some electrical wires and leaving. Of course, it's to—it's a hard story to swallow. However, my mum, who was still a child at the time, said that the story matched up with her own memory, even though it had gotten foggy over the years.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: I swear to God. I swear to God. When she told the story, her face wasn't one of a person telling an interesting anecdote; It was of genuine fear. One that led her to have a small panic attack. She was scared that they were going to take her. And even now, in her old age and through mental illness, I s- hear her rambling about aliens sometimes.
0: Ooh. That, you know, that's interesting. Because, that's a like, spooky detail.
1: Yeah, what happened to me? Like, I have that, the similar... a similar feeling like it's panicking like when you see something in the sky and you realize it's nothing that you know you know what i mean
0: you think uh in recalling that scenario that situation that you experienced that you you might recall that panic as well
1: Uh like well i felt like i was i thought i was going to be taken by something because i was like what the hell is that
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess the fear that something is going to happen to you. I guess that would be the the first thought that came through my mind too. Like, oh, is is this for me? (laughs) Are they here to take me away?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Her belief in aliens was in earnest and led her to relate them to many spiritual, historical, and mythological subjects. One of the most prominent examples I can remember when I was going through my Greek mythology phase and I discussed it with her. She told me that in years of research she had come to find that lots of mythologies had great numbers of similarities and that was why she believed that gods were simply an interpretation of aliens given to us by ancient humans who couldn't process the humanoid beings that had come to Earth. Many of your videos have reminded me of conversations I once had with her. So I wish to share these tales with you and leave it up to you and to Patrice to determine if they're simply the ramblings of an old woman towards her granddaughter or if there is some truth in what she said. Thanks a lot and have a nice day, Eleanor.
0: Well, I think that that's probably one of the oldest discussions in the UFO alien community is have they been around for a really long time? And is it just like demons, ghosts, angels, all those things, gods, All those things people have, you know, declared have ruled over humanity over the years. Like, is that what they were called in those times? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's a logical way of looking at aliens. Because I guess if aliens are here now, then they probably have been here for a very long time.
1: Probably. I find South American UFOs so interesting. Like the whole... Yeah. The whole South American UFO narrative is incredible to me like they seem to be a lot more open with their disclosure and a lot more open with discussing events
0: down there i find that basically anywhere in middle america and south america that the ufo stories are more intense the sightings are more fantastical the videos that come out of the middle america Mm. in general is pretty amazing but yeah with between middle america and south america um, I feel like some of the best UFO content in the world is coming out of there. And I do love that the military just openly and freely shares information when they find something they don't understand that it's with their in their policy to release the video mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, so we encountered this thing a few years ago. We don't know what it is. So just here's a video of it. Enjoy.
1: So after I was after I read this email, I went and did a little bit more research into Mexico. UFOs, probably around the time that this UFO that Eleanor's grandma spoke about probably was seen. And I found an interesting story about a UFO crash in Chihuahua, Mexico, in 1974.
0: Oh, please share.
1: So the story is that a UFO crashed after colliding with a light aircraft in the summer of 1974. And the following morning, the Mexican authorities sent an investigation team to the area where the plane and the unidentified cr- craft were last tracked to on radar. The team reaches the crash site and then there is total radio silence.
0: And then that's it?
1: Well, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then I just thought, oh, my God, then they disappear forever. That's the end and of then the that story. Was it. Yeah, that's uh, the end. That's <laughs> the like... end. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But the United Um, States is monitoring the progress. Right. Offers of expert assistance are declined across the border. Soon after, US intelligence sources tell them that the Mexican convoy has completely stopped. The recovery team is dispatched from Fort Worth to investigate. On arrival, they find a saucer-shaped craft about 16 feet in diameter on the back of a flatbed truck and all of the Mexican team are dead.
0: Oh, what?
1: And they call this the uh, Kayame, I think that's how you pronounce it, UFO Crash Retrieval Story. And it first came out in about 1992. So the event was supposed to happen in uh, 1974, but the story came out in 1992. Interesting. And, And the details of it were sent in an anonymous email to various UFO researchers around the world.
0: In the early 90s.
1: Yeah, so that must have been, like, you know, one of the first emails ever sent.
0: (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say is I remember people that had the ability to email in 92. And Mm. if I had received an email in 92 giving details of UFOs, I would have 100% believed it. Just because of how Mm. rare it was to get an email back then.
1: Yeah. Um, The content of the email revealed that on the 25th of August... At 1007 radar in the United States tracked an unknown object approaching U.S. territory. The speed of the object was, uh, 2,530 miles per hour on a bearing of 325 degrees at an altitude of 75,000
0: feet. So most commercial,
1: yeah. yeah, Most commercial airliners fly within like 38 to 45,000 feet. Um, The projected course showed the object would enter U.S. airspace at approximately 40 miles southwest of Corpus Christi, Texas. 60 seconds later and 155 miles southeast of Corpus Christi, the object slowed to around uh, 1,955 miles per hour, turning on a heading of 290 degrees and penetrated Mexican airspace. It was tracked by two separate military radar installations in the us for another 500 miles the object suddenly vanished from radar screens near the town of koyame in the state of chihuahua a rather barren and sparsely populated area some 52 minutes later reports of a civilian aircraft going down in the same area at the same time began to filter through
0: right so <clears throat> this uh, object was giving off a clear radar signal the entire time. So that's that's how they knew that this incident even happened in the first place, is that they were basically watching it zip across the sky.
1: This is an email, I remember, so it's not right. corroborated evidence. It's right. just a 1992 email. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, don't want to think about it too hard.
1: Yeah, daylight arrived and the Mexican authorities initiated a search for the missing aircraft. At 10.35 local time, an aerial search radioed in a report of the wreckage from the missing plane had been spotted on the ground. Minutes later, a circular-shaped object was reported also on the ground. Although damaged, it was still in one piece. Next followed a long radio silence by the Mexican military. The United States requested permission to operate in Mexican territory, offering their expertise in such matters. Meanwhile, the CIA began to pull together a rapid response recovery team. The Mexican authorities, however, feigned ignorance and refused to cooperate. Ooh. Satellite and aerial reconnaissance picked up on a Mexican convoy headed south with the disc and aircraft loaded on flatbed trucks. However, when the convoy appeared to have stopped with no signs of activity and two bodies apparently lying on the ground, the decision to intervene was made.
0: Ooh, So this is pretty classic in a UFO story that the United States government wants to intervene. Actually there's quite a few UFO recovery stories in Canada where the United States military was the first ones there. And Canada was just cool with it apparently and just let them take control of the situation.
1: Is that just the Canadian politeness? Like, oh yeah, oh, sure, maybe. come on over. Well, we're come just like
0: over, Yeah, we're just like, oh would they you like
1: a cup of sugar as <laughs> well with just your like, UFO?
0: It's like our neighbors just threw their frisbee over the fence. It's like, Yeah, come get your disc boys. That's fine. Yeah.
1: oh god a recovery team gathered at fort bliss texas and then ordered to cross the border in helicopters arriving at the convoy stop they discovered all the mexican personnel are dead Mm. protected in their biohazard suits the recovery team made sure the object is strapped to a chopper the mexican vehicles bodies and wreckage of the civilian plane are all destroyed with explosives and then they depart and head back to us airspace
0: so they destroyed the site
1: yeah so they kept the plane destroyed it kept the ufo mm-hmm. destroyed the plane destroyed the truck destroyed the bodies the recovered disc is released from the helicopter and placed in a sealed truck headed for atlanta georgia it travels on back roads and minor highways before eventually being transferred to an undetermined possibly wright patterson air force base all military hardware personnel and equipment involved was decontaminated on arrival back into the united states the captured disc had no visible doors or windows its surface was like polished silver steel with no visible means of propulsion or external lights there was no markings but two areas of the rim showed damage a hole approximately 12 inches in diameter and a dent about two inches wide two foot two foot wide Does one little Does one little thing mean feet
0: yeah that's feet
1: okay it was suspected that the light aircraft had collided with the disc and was totally destroyed so there was no information
0: it crashed hard enough that it disabled it and the little green men didn't get out or did the little green men get out and that's why everybody was dead
1: well who knows it doesn't say about little green men getting out
0: no no they got the whole craft. The craft was closed. It's interesting that um, the damage doesn't uh, really sound that bad, though.
1: There was no information regarding any bodies recovered from either the civilian aircraft or the strange disk. So we were, like, oh. we were a bit quick off the mark. Uh,
0: I was <laughs> jumping too far ahead, as, as you Yeah.
1: Said. <laughs> the cause of the death of the Mexican recovery team was also unknown, although it was speculated that a microbial virus or chemical was released. And that's interesting because mm. what we've learned from... You know, our seven hours of Phil Schneider lectures that we've listened to this week is that they have viruses on their skin and stuff like that, which we have no immunity to.
0: Right. Even just contacting these things apparently is very deadly for us.
1: Mm. And Um. even how, like, um, Gabe Valdez of Dolce Base dulce la dolce vita. <laughs> dolce. Dulce of the dulce, the dulce, the dulce.
0: dulce, base. dulce. <laughs> you like,
1: still translate it with an Italian you know, accent. I like
0: I like that Italian <laughs> pronunciation of it. Dulce.
1: No, I've said dul dulce, like far dul- too many. Oh, times Oh, you said it like four Somebody times
0: today. Dulce. dulce, yeah. Yeah, you're blaming your me. You're blaming me for it, but for all you know, you were the one doing it first, and you're only just. I was definitely, absolutely, <laughs> was not. <laughs> What if it's your fault that I pronounced it wrong? i would never
1: admit it. (laughs) Yeah. I would stand for it.
0: So that's, I guess that's a pretty, that's a really interesting UFO story. Uh, Like, there aren't a ton where you show up and there's already a bunch of militia there and they're all dead. I guess maybe Mm. they were dead because of the microbes. Maybe it was just like a quick release thing. Everybody in the immediate vicinity died and then they run away. Mm-hmm. Weird. No little green men. No bodies. No indication that they left the site. No mention of that at all. For yeah. uh, for an email from 1992, that was not very disappointing, though. I guess no. you're right, though. It is questioning the story is is a little bit redundant when the source mm-hmm. the source is essentially spam email.
1: <laughs> I know, but then when people, when investigators had investigated it, when they've gone to the town. There were older members of the community that said that they remember seeing wreckage of a small plane still in flames. And in, um, it was in October 1974, there was a story about Mexican soldiers perishing in military transport.
0: Excellent. So there is cooperation that the, yeah. the where and when is, uh, well, at but least see, that um, part was true.
1: But because of all of drug smuggling and stuff like that. It wasn't unusual for unmarked planes or random planes to crash Mm -hmm. that people didn't know about, especially around the border of the U.S., you know?
0: Right, and I'm sure that that's what they were thinking in the, you know, 74. They're like, oh, that's a drug plane for sure. Let's go figure out what they're doing.
1: So that was just interesting because I figured that would be around the same time that the story that Eleanor's grandma told her would have been about. And it's, it's weird, too, because you do hear of UFOs crashing into power lines and all that kind of stuff as well. That's like true. I remember when we, when we researched for the Phantom Attackers episode, that still hasn't happened yet.
0: <laughs> um, it's going to happen eventually.
1: Yeah, but that's, that's what basically, remember that happened with that one um, in Texas? Right. With the power lines, right? In the summer's night. There was. They saw that thing sitting in the trees, and that crashed into the some power lines before it flew off when the UFA came.
0: Yeah, I, I've actually heard scenarios like that before too. That they get zapped by the power lines and then either fly away or crash. Mm. But
1: I love I love the story about the reason why there were so many crashes through the fifties was because they had like come here but they hadn't, um, they couldn't handle the radio waves. Oh, and our like yeah. where our radar works.
0: Right.
1: Which is kind of funny because you think like, it's so, it's so basic and to be so advanced, but it's one of those things, like imagine if you had this incredible armor that could shoot lasers and do all this stuff. And yet someone could just come and stab you with a spear. You're right. Like just because you have like the advanced technology doesn't mean that something simple could stop you dead in your tracks
0: maybe that's what war of the worlds was hinting at where um they all die the aliens die at the end because they get sick and it's like after all that warring and advanced technology they just couldn't handle the common cold and maybe that's what that was a reference to is that all that advanced technology they can't handle power lines and some radio pollution in the sky
1: yeah well do you know it's actually quite amazing to think that in the event of something like that happening, viruses are our last line of defense. Like they really yeah. save the world.
0: Oh, well, I mean, they are. And that is really every planet's best defense is that the reason, it's like Morgan Freeman put it in the, in the Tom Cruise version. Can
1: you do, can you do your Morgan Freeman oh, no, I can <laughs> <laughs> It's
0: like, we have earned our right to live on this planet. I can't do it. Uh, to live on the planet. I thought, I, thought, I thought it sounded like little green aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Just because we've, yeah, we've evolved to survive here. So that's why this is our planet. And it doesn't make sense for an alien from another planet to be able to live here. Our planet should reject it like the alien is itself a virus. So maybe that's why they all live underground, because it's the only place that the Earth isn't trying to kill them. Maybe. And maybe that's what Signs is about, is that they're allergic to water. It's like just yes, simple. Someone
1: got fired for that, didn't they? They didn't say. Well, this is made up of water. The whole planet.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so this planet is about seventy percent water, and there's water in the sky, and it, it will yeah, fall you on imagine. you. And, oh, yeah, by you the way, imagine the well, grand just...
1: commander and the UFO going. Can you bring Steve <laughs> know, to like, my desk straight away? It's like
0: it's like we've already sent all of the soldiers out. They're all just walking around the planet naked now. It could rain any minute now
1: yeah and it's like at what point did you think that this was like you know an important fact
0: at least tell them to put galoshes on and a a nice raincoat you know
1: yeah like why are they naked
0: (laughs) in a planet made up entirely of the thing that is the most deadly to us
1: yeah that's it someone didn't do their research
0: Well, good night, everybody. Thank you for watching. We hope that you've enjoyed this small collection of the strange and unexplained.
1: Watching with your ears is good listening
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the highly intellectual podcast, Full Metal Tuxedo. Uh, Again, remember to watch our show every Saturday Night Live on Armored Gregory on YouTube, or you can listen to the podcast on probably your favorite podcasting service. We're everywhere
1: yeah thank you for joining us you've been great company as always good night everybody sweet dreams